Good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are. Welcome to my live stream. My name is Eva Palakova. For those of you who are new, please leave me a comment. Let me know that you are new to my work. And for those of you who are coming back or are friends, please do say hi. So today I want to talk about a, a major piece that I'm working on. And it's something that I've actually never had the courage to lead publicly because, well, the ego doesn't always tend to be on board with this. And that is an identity reset. By the way, this is not actually a live stream, even though you might be watching this on a live stream. I pre-recorded it. I decided to do this privately without the pressure of um, you know, interacting and questioning how it's going to land. I wanted to do it alone and just kind of let this sit with you. But still, please do say hi. It's going to be like live streaming. And um, yeah, <laughs> let's just dive in. Let's just dive in here. So everyone talks about manifestation. And what do you need to do to manifest, right? So we know that we have to show up a certain way to attract what we want in our life but most people the way that they're doing manifestation is doing it's like visualize this and that i'm calling in three four five new clients da, 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 da. okay however we know that we are in an energetic field that attracts a like to itself that is how manifestation work there is an electromagnetic field around you that has all these different frequencies. And the way manifestation work is that your field is going to pull like to itself. That's just how this works. So when it comes to manifestation and having the life that we love and having the circumstances that we want, our experience has to match those circumstances. So we want to experience things like connection, things like abundance, feeling really confident as a mom or, you know, grandmother or whatever, uh, feeling really emotionally safe as a lover or a partner. We want to experience freedom to be on live stream or on camera, right? We want to experience financial freedom. We want to experience leadership and making a difference in the world. We want to experience the fire. We want to experience being on track, right? We want to experience fun and play and joy. Now, we know that in order to heal that, to, to do that, we have to heal. So, we go and we do a bunch of healing. And we heal this part and that part and this protective part and this exile and we dig in and we do emotional release. We go into our childhood, we heal our inner child, we do psychedelics to uh, heal the split, heal the ancestral stuff, get the entities out and the implants removed. We do energy medicine, stuff like that and still and this has 100% been my experience, things are not shifting the way we would want. And the energy is not always great. 
And then we ended up being a hot mess sometimes, no matter how much healing and work we do. And it seems to be like a stacking plate, right? You heal one thing and then there's the next. You heal one thing, then there's the next. And you got to remember that like attracts like. And a lot of healing also attracts a lot of other things to heal, okay? And then it just we just go into this like one day of feeling this way and the next way that way. And how on earth am I supposed to lead myself and my business to the next level when it feels like there's always the next thing to deal with the next thing to heal and it just ends up sometimes in this cycle of fixing ourselves and like seeing our problem being in this what i used to call an awareness hell it's like wow i am so aware of everything that is wrong with me i could i i, I wish i could just like fix it all now I wish I could just make it go away so that I can finally be happy. So with sharing this, I will say that I am in no shape or form advocating for you to stop your healing process. By no means. However, this is where healing and identity work need to come hand in hand together. Because, and I will tell you this, has made all the difference. The identity work has made all the difference. Whether I am healing or not, it is a non-negotiable if I want to have a good experience in this life. Because yet it is about the healing. Yes, it is about the liberation. And you guys know I advocate those things like for years, okay? Like just keep removing the stuff that doesn't, you know, connecting the things and soul retreat, all that stuff, right? But this identity work piece and calling in who we actually want to be and embodying who we want to be and living our life that way makes 1000% their difference in our outcome, in our business, in everything we do. And by the way, with this stream, I want to tell you, if anything that I say here doesn't resonate with you and it's not your path, then it doesn't, you just trust yourself, okay? Everything that I teach, just trust yourself. It doesn't resonate that it's completely okay because we are on this path and things fit at just at a certain point or path. And when you know this is not fitting yet or already or whatever it is, completely, I encourage you to trust your gut, spleen, sacral authority, whatever authority you have, trust that, okay? But identity work, it freaking works. And it is all about the way we show up. It is all about what we embody. It is all about our way of being. And sometimes we forget and we get sucked into the drama And we justify that with our woundings. And by the way, I have been there, done that. It's like I'm a sensitive empath. I'm this and that. I have so many wounds. I have a mold, toxicity and poisoning, which is a journey that I just went through. And I was actually using that. There was a period of about 70 days where I couldn't sleep more than four or five, five hours a night. And I'm somebody who really loves to sleep. And my energy was so low and the frequencies were so low and that it was just rain season in Costa Rica. It was intense. It was intense. Like 
I now understand why people leave Costa Rica for the rain season. When you throw away most of your clothing and your pillows and everything else, you guys will see me in the same clothes. Because literally, like you go to your closet and you take one thing. Okay, there's mold on it. Next thing. Okay, there's mold on it. And what happened is that I started just, I wasn't checking where I was in my frequency and I wasn't seeing the big picture and I wasn't doing the identity work. And it's like, it's just started getting to my head and I didn't know what to do with it. So this actually has been also a major, major awakening. You know, let me guys, one second. Um, there's neighbors talking loud and it makes me not, not be able to focus. So back this this mold the mold this mold poisoning it ended up actually pretty bad like i have never been in lower emotions well actually i will take that back not never but in a very long time i've have ne not experienced lower emotional states and this identity work in the midst of this made all the difference in me being able to re-own my power in the midst of mental and physical health circumstances, right? And by the way, again, this is a thing that really is hard for the ego to get on board with because the ego really, really likes it disempowerments, okay? It really likes it disempowered states. And sometimes when I brought identity work in the past to people, and I saw them the way they are, their potential, they would sometimes get mad at me. They would actually get mad at me. It's like, Eva, you don't understand. I really am this way. I really am this disempowered, right? I really cannot do, like, I really cannot, like, I'm, I'm, I'm really, like, no, like, I am sensitive, I, right? So. If you are completely content with who you are, how you lead yourself in your life, how you lead in your company in your life, then, and life is good, this is probably not going to be for you. And I have a major announcement at the end of this that I want to share with you. But if you're in a phase where you're really craving some monumental shifts, then identity work, okay? So. If you're going like, if I died today, I would be like, oh crap. I mean, I know I did my best and I have all the self-love in the world and I have come a long, long, long way and I have healed so much, but oh crap, I am not ready. Like I have so much more to do, so much more to embody. I want to show up differently. I want to feel being completely loved and completely loving. I want to feel on equal footing with other people, feeling like I really belong. I want to experience so much joy and enthusiasm and community and play and making true impact and feeling like I'm really, really doing an awesome thing in the world that I really, really believe in what I'm doing, like all those things, then then yeah, this this is what we want to anchor in. So identity work is what really does it <laughs> because we cannot heal our all our wounds and then hope that we'll find up this way the healing the wounds is absolutely supportive of the identity work but one doesn't go without the other okay 
So just a few stories, a couple stories that I want to share with you from my past about how this works. So first one is in the physical exercise world. I had a lot of like PE, not bad experience, physical education at, uh, at grade school. Like those classes were not great. Uh, really, really not good, good. It's just, I was born and raised in the Czech Republic and the way they ran the PE classes, this might be a little similar depending on where you grew up. <laughs> super, super curious about your experience in that. But it was like, you're going to be graded for how fast you run without ever training. You're going to be graded how far you jump without much of a training. You're going to be graded on like high jump over, over the stick. And, you know, jumping over things and doing this and climbing things for time. It was like a constant. There was like every time there's something being measured and maybe we tried out once or twice or three times and it's like, okay, but now we're doing it. Right. And I was somebody who was not very good at those things. I was not very athletic. I had like a lot of fear around like jumping over things and climbing things and, and whatever. And it was, it was my worst nightmare because I was raised to really achieve and bring home straight ice. Okay. That's how I was raised. Now, this was quite a challenge because I really, there's no way that I could get an A. I was the slowest one and the, just the most clumsy one and whatever. And that came from my family programming and all that. And just all the energy that I carried entering this lifetime. It was just like my lungs were, didn't have the capacity. Right. So it was like, oh my God, I didn't understand any of this, but I was failing. Like I would have straight A's and then I would have B at best, at best, but usually C from PE. And it was just horrible. So embarrassing. So I had anxiety attacks every time a PE class would come. And um, the worst was the, the worst nightmare was once a year, we would be graded in running a mile. And I was like, I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, nobody trained for this, but I was actually training like as a 10 year old, 11 year old, eight year old, I can't remember the eight, the exact age. Cause it went, it was like literally every year, but I would like actually like go and I would run around the block when nobody was doing that because I really did not want to be the last and it's so embarrassing. So <sighs> we had this mile to run. And it was like, okay, I'm just going to do it my absolute best. And I ran for my life the whole mile. Like I just ran, I gave it my best. And when I couldn't run, I walked and it was just, and then everybody was like, finish it. Five minutes, 30, well, maybe not six minutes, 30 seconds, seven minutes, eight minutes, nine minutes. I finished at 12 minutes and 30 seconds. And that was the absolute best I could do. That was like it. Okay. So exercise became this thing that I just kind of hated. Running, most of all things. You could not make me run. It was just like, I'm done. I suck at this. Like, this is not, you know, a way for me to spend my time. So when it comes to like physical activity, I would like dancing because that didn't get ruined for me at like, you know, at the time, you know, aerobics classes or whatever. Like, that was okay. But like, jogging like that just wasn't happening until one day one day i decided that i was done with that identity and it was actually be fun 
to create the opposite. And it was really funny because I was, I think I was 26 years old. Yeah. And I was, you know, my identity was the opposite of an exercise person. So I was smoking a lot of cigarettes. Okay. I'm European. Don't judge. Like that's what people do there. Okay. And I was like smoking maybe half a pack a day. And my lungs went from like this much capacity to this much. And I said, okay, I'm going to, <laughs> I'm going to quit smoking and I need to replace it with something else. I'm going to start running. I'm going to create the identity. I'm a healthy person. I'm going to be a runner. And then I tried. I did this one run on the street. I lived in Evanston, Illinois at the time doing some uh, exchange visa work and, um, and working for a corporation doing corporate finance. But anyway, I lived in Evanston. And I would like on the street that I lived in, I would just like, I'm going to go for a run. I do like a, it was like a 300 yard run. And literally, I could not feel the skin because there was no oxygen. It's like you quit smoking and then like this and you go for a run. It's like, whoa. And I had like these red spots. Like my, just my body was not getting oxygenated at all. I was like, okay, 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 okay. Identity work. I got this. I got this. Within the three days or four days, I was able to very slowly, like probably slower than most of you walk, I was able to slowly jog, like it was not even jogging, it was like, yeah, to jog a mile. And then I said, wow, I really love that I can actually do this. I am so excited that I can actually do this. And I would cheer myself through this. Then I'd be like, okay, what if I could run a 5k? Like, run right like again it was a super slow jog like then it was a 5k it was like a first week i ran 5k and then it was 10k like two weeks later and then it was 10 miles i do not recommend it by the way i do not recommend doing it because my knees didn't really like it but i was so excited i was i was like okay where knee braces and it's like wow like i'm doing this like on the streets you know and then I was like, I want to do a marathon. I'm going to do a marathon. I am. And then everybody was like, nope, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Like, it's not, it's not a good idea. You have to train at least for a year to build up to that. And I'm like, no, I think I can actually do that. If I need to walk, I'm going to walk it. But I think actually, I, I actually can do it. So marathon happened about, I want to say five months later. I finished my first marathon. It took me five hours. Okay. And I just like, it was a complete identity shift. I just became somebody who absolutely loved running in the morning. Like I would love the feeling of like, just then I started running faster and my lungs started clearing up. But I actually loved the, just the, the rushed feeling in your face when you have sweated and you've done the most difficult thing the whole day in the morning. You know, it was, it was the coolest thing. It was just so cool. Anyway. Then I decided, you know what, like, there's, I moved in the meantime, I moved to Austin, Texas, and, you know, there were a lot of these athletes, I wasn't in anymore, and I was like, it's like, I see these people who are doing these ultra marathons, and it's like, you know, I look the way I look now, like, I was never, you know, I was always like a little bit extra weight, 
So I'm like, okay, I, I, there's something in that. There's something in the power and the energy and say I can run a 50 mile, 100 mile run. <sighs> there was something so inspiring about being able, able to embody somebody who has that level of endurance and resilience and able to move through like a whole night of running after a full day of running. Like there was something in that mental state and this mental like just this the mindset of the strength and the resilience one has to embody to do that okay and so i woke up i used to um train in this company called rogue rogue running or something like that rogue yeah and they had this like group that hung out and like you know like super athletes you know they they looked so like you look at their legs and you're like Ugh like see the muscles and <laughs> yeah that's not me you know i was wearing like a, a little saggy yoga pants and you know just kind of still the way i look now like not very athletic <sighs> and i was like okay if i want to embody this if i if if i would like i i need to have the courage to to be part of this group and to to train with them and to be pushed and to become that person because I really love. I, I would really love to be able to be that person who can not just, you know, run a mile or a marathon, but I can actually have like the strength and the resilience to just do this. This crazy thing that I have no idea if I can actually finish. So I joined this group and we started training. And it was one of those things. But it was like, I could not believe the training. It was so hard, but it was the, the, sometimes the things that are hard are just so exciting, you know, because you're like really in a zone of discomfort. I mean, I was so uncomfortable. I can't even tell you some of the training runs. I still like, look like the way I look now. I was still a little bit chubby at, you know, places and not very fit. My lungs still not great capacity. And we were there every day at five o'clock in the morning, 5.02, we're heading for a two hour run through Austin, Texas, through the hills of Austin, Texas, doing that. And then Saturday morning, we were building up. Okay, we're gonna do like a 10 mile, 50 mile, 20, 25, just build it up. Eventually 50 mile run in a training. And I was like, 50 miles, that's so crazy. I can't, I can't. like there is no way. There's no way, there's no way, okay? But I just, it just didn't, but let me just stick with the training because I love, like, what if I could, you know, I know the way I am, I can't, but what if I could, what if I could, what if I could, what if I could do this? What if I could, what if I could? So I showed up and we started doing these super long runs. And then it gets into summer in Texas. And if you have lived through the summer in Texas, you will know that it's not the best to be running in the middle of the day because it's like 110 degrees. It's super humid. It is awful. It is awful. Okay. So we had to start these long runs. When you get to like 30, 40, 50 miles on a weekend, they would like, we would have to like, I would have to be up 
at 1.30 a.m. I would have to go to bed at 7 p.m. and get up at 1.30 a.m. and start the long run. And it was the most exciting thing ever. I'm like there, 2 a.m., feeling like the biggest badass, like me, you know, me. The girl who literally could not run a mile is now like getting up at 2 a.m. and doing this run. <laughs> so, <gasps> and the resilience start, the identity of extreme resilience because as excited as you are, right? As excited as I was, like 9 a.m. hits and the sun hit and it's like, wow, and I still have 10 more miles to go in this heat, <sighs> right? So then the race came, the race time came. And the race that we were running as a team together was the Leadville 100. The Leadville 100 is a notorious, do not run this race if you're slow. But it's what the team is doing, so okay. The cutoff time for Leadville makes it so that you have to average 14 minute mile on the entire 100 miles. And you know that I'm a 1230 mile girl for one mile. And that is not when you train in sea level where you can breathe normally. Leadville is a town that is located in 12,000 feet. <gasps> Actually, 10,000 feet. And then you go up over 12,000 feet past. Take that back. 12,000 feet down. Whoa, that would be like Cusco or something in Peru. But no, it was 10,000. It's very high, okay? It's like nine, ten thousand. It's like, it's it's pretty high. It's like Breckenridge, okay, has been there. Like, if you're not used to altitude and you're coming from sea level, not great. So you get to Leadville and we book a hotel. And I notice I have a, like, major headache. Cannot walk. Cannot walk up the stairs in Leadville, like, it is like, how the hell am I going to run this race? Like, I cannot even breathe. Like, I'm high, I, like, <gasps> just like walking five stairs. It was horrible, right? It was so horrible. <sighs> but I said, I'm, I have a week here. I might adjust or we'll hope for the best. I was doing like under oxygenation training before, like you're literally breathing through like a thing that makes it like as if you were breathing through a straw because you're learning how to run in like, under oxygenated places, not right. So I'm just like, I have no idea. I have no idea. And this is a race that you go up over the mountains, places where you cannot move faster than one mile per hour because you're literally like, you know, you're like climbing up a crazy passes and mountains. This is not like you're running on a flat road. Okay. So <laughs> the gun goes off. And the race starts and I'm like out of breath from like a minute one trying to keep up with everybody and everybody is like you know everybody is just like chatting and happy to be it's four o'clock after the you know they start the race with a gun everybody the energy's there everybody's excited I'm like <gasps> like literally first mile of the run that's how it goes that's how it's going okay I'm like yeah, I don't know about this I have no idea about this and I start falling behind like mile three, I'm just like, wow. I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to do my absolute best here. I'm just going to do my absolute best. I don't know how it's going to turn out. 
then we started running and I'm just like, Mile 10, 12, I was like, wow, I do not know a world in which I'm going to finish this race. But I will do my absolute best because I know that I, I just want to know myself as somebody who pushes through anything, who can move through all the resistance. And so keep running. Mile 20, fishermen think it's called fisherman uh, aid station they have these different aid stations every 10 miles where you see uh your support crew i had three people in my support crew who were welcoming me and they were waiting for me my former husband included they were just so awesome like here's the food like just just you know it was like this awesome atmosphere like they were cheering me on they're like there for me like feeding like here's the fruit like let's change your socks you know it was just awesome and i was like oh my god i'm gonna let them down like, I feel, I hate the idea. Like, they were so excited for me. I hated the idea of letting them down. Like, I don't know, I'm going to do this. I was falling behind. I was barely clearing the cutoffs because what happens in a race like this, you're clearing, like, you have to make these aid stations in a certain cutoff time. If you're too slow, you're, like, out. If you lose too much weight, you're out. If you gain too much weight, you're out because they want your water to be balanced and it, it's not a fun thing when you get hyponatremic or hypothermic or whatever, like uh, hyponatremic means like your soul goes out of balance and like people can die from that. So they weigh you at these stations and you have to like keep yourself in like a good place, you know, mentally, physically to be able to do this. So mile 40, I somehow am making it to mile 40 and Blood is streaming down my face from my nose and my shirt is getting soaked in blood because in high altitude, you can get like really severe nosebleeds. I'm coughing. Like there's so much water in my lungs that I'm coughing up. Like I'm not like, I don't have an edema quite, okay? Because that would be pretty severe, but I'm like feeling my lungs getting pretty wet with the altitude and getting all the symptoms. And I'm exhausted. I get to the aid station about 10 hours in at mile 40 with about 10 minutes to spare clearing the cutoff. I'm just like barely clearing the cutoff and I'm like running out of the aid station after like changing my clothes and all that with like barely time to spare. And I know I have the biggest hill climb ahead of me. I have the biggest hill climb ahead of me. So and to make it to eight station 50 on time, I would have to do the absolute impossible. So I climb this pass. It's called the Hope Pass in Leadville. If you were there, I recommend you do that climb, but not after 40 miles of running and being completely bonked, which means you just have zero glycogen in your stores. You're just like completely energy deprived. There's no energy. I've never done anything harder in my life physically than, than, than climbing that hill. It was like every step on that mountain took everything out of me. And the way Leadville works is that you run 50 miles like this and you turn around at Winfield and then you run back the second 50 miles through the night and you finish in the morning. Okay. 
So I was, my entire team was running back. They're like, you got this. But they kind of knew that I was in trouble, that there was no way that I was going to clear the cutoff. But I was like, you know, I got this. I still get emotional. Wow. <laughs> I still get emotional. Wow. This is like really something, you know. And I just made it to the top and I ran down to Winfield to the 50 point as fast as I possibly could. And I didn't make it. I tried my absolute hardest and I didn't make it. I missed the cutoff. It wasn't like five minutes. It was like a good 20 minutes. You know, there was not like, oh, maybe we could let you slide. It was, it was a, I, I missed the cutoff big time, you know. And I decided, I was so, so sad and so disappointed. I was like, oh my gosh, I can never do this again. I don't want to do this again. I trained for this the whole year, every day. I got up at 5 a.m. I did this and I still failed. I still failed. And my mindset went down in the dumps. I still failed. It was so, so heartbreaking. I was destroyed. Until one day I decided, screw this. I know that I have, I am mentally tougher than any of these super athletes. I just have a body that doesn't move very fast. But I know if I pick a race where I have a little bit more time to actually finish, that is more possible for my body type, even though there's more climbing and there's more elevation game, whatever it is, but I have enough time to finish, I know I can do this. I know if I give myself the time and I give myself more training and I stick to it, I will do this. So it took me a while to recover. It took me two years for my mindset to get like, okay, you're still an athlete. Your body might not think so, but you're still an athlete. So come Lake Tahoe 2012. 100 mile race. The cutoff was not 30 hours, that a cutoff was 35 hours. But there's a trade off. It's not 14,000 foot of elevation gain as it is in Leadville, it's 22,000 feet of elevation gain, which means you're constantly climbing up or running down and climbing up or running right down up the mountains around Lake Tahoe including this chairlift climb where you cannot walk it straight up because it hurts too much. You have to walk it sideways. You have to walk it backwards. It's literally, if you're ever in Lake Tahoe, like there's a diamond lift chair climb and it's like, holy crap. Now, it's also, it's two loops of 15 miles and the first loop you do, um, you do this chairlift climb a mile 30. When you do it the second time, 
you do it on mile 80. So this thing, you cannot climb like on a regular day. You have to walk it backwards. You're doing after 80 miles of running. I still look the way I do. In fact, I might post a picture of what, what, what I look like after, after, after this race so that you guys can see the proof of this. Like I was not a super athlete, okay? But I said, okay, I want to get to know myself as somebody who can do this. I want to be able to move through anything and gain the mental strength and the mindset strength to do this. So the race starts. We start heading out. And this race starts with a four-mile climb uphill. Where it's like, it's the same thing. We're in altitude. It's about 9,000 feet, 8,400, something like that. Goes up to 10,000. Here we go. Three miles in, there's like, you know, there's a the string of people climbing up the mountain. If somebody in front of me says, we're three miles in, only 97 to go. And I'm like, uh, holy crap. How? How, 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 how? Then, okay. Keep it one mile at a time. One mile at the time. This is the biggest thing that I have brought into my business that I want to pass to you right this second. Eye on the prize, one mile at the time. Okay? There's so much, there's a feminine energy revolution. And it's so beautiful and it's so powerful. But feminine energy does not mean that we lose our focus. And it does not mean, it sure as well hell doesn't mean that we don't do the hard things and move through the hard things. I'm not saying you need to run 100 mile runs. But when it comes to building a business, you kind of do have to. You're running a 100 mile race in your business. If you want to be successful, you're running a 100 mile race. That is what you're doing, one mile at a time. So when somebody said that at mile three, I realized every mile I'm going to have to celebrate these next 35 hours because I sure as hell know I'm not going to finish before that, you know? <laughs> it's just, I know I'm the back of the pack. It's going to be one mile at the time. It's going to be the biggest celebration Every single mile, every single mile, I'm going to be like, yes, every aid station that I make that I clear on time, I still get emotional because you guys, this is so important. When you get this in business, you want 10K months, you know what? 200 bucks is on a way to 10K months. 400 bucks is on a way of to 10K months. 6,000 bucks is on a way to 10K months. 10K months is on a way to 100K months. Whatever it is. Or you could say, well, I don't want, I don't need to finish 100 miles. I don't need to. Da -da 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 -da. Right? And we just kill this whole thing. Kill it with a train of thought. Because we don't even want to want things because. We don't think we can have that. And so it went one mile at a time. 
mile 12 or so, I got extreme hip pain. It was so severe because the body will just do certain things to really test your mental toughness. It was so bad. I was crying when I was walking, but I also knew it's not real. Hip pain. My hips are perfectly fine, by the way, but the, the energy that was getting released was causing a lot of pain. And I had my phone on me and I, I called my ex-husband. I'm like, I need you to go and buy me a hiking post and meet me at the next eight station. Like just buy, like, I don't think whatever you need to do in Reno. Cause he was in Reno working all day while I was running the first 15 miles. It's like, I need you to buy, go and find me hiking poles. Cause I need to, I, I don't know that I can run this. I'm going to be like this, you know, but whatever it takes. And so he did that. He brought me the hiking poles. Then mile 30, I got severe bladder UTI infection. If you guys get UTI, you literally are going to be a little graphic. Fair warning. I could not pee without extreme pain. Now, usually I clear it with drinking a bunch of water. You can't do that in a race without risking your salts going in, out of imbalance. And you're for sure, if you do that in a race and your salt goes out of balance, you're going to be sick. Hopefully you won't die because it does happen. That's why they check people don't gain too much weight because if they gain too much weight, that means their salt is out of balance and that can be dangerous. It's more dangerous in a race like that to gain weight than to lose weight. They want you to be losing weight and getting a little dehydrated because retaining water is not good. Okay. So I was like, okay, what do I do? What do I do? Because I cannot run with the severe UTI pain, but I have to clear it. So it's like, okay, I'm just going to just. I had the biggest intention. I feel good. My bladder feels good. I drink the water. I drink about a gallon. And I'm just going to walk. And I'm going to run later. I'm going to walk it out so my, I don't sweat too much. I'm going to clear it. But I'm like so not giving up. Like this is it. So I clear that. Then. The next challenge comes around. You know, chairlift, climb and all. The next challenge comes around at about mile 50. You know, I finished the first 50 miles. Like, it's good. I have already overcome so much in this race. And it's like, okay, we're changing clothes and everything, mile 50. And we're going about to run into the night. It's the first 50 miles you run during the day. The second, 80 through the night. And you're finishing the last 20 during the day. Okay. 10, 20, something like that. So I was like, okay, we're heading into the night. Now my former husband is with me, going to pace me through this whole thing. Okay. The night I couldn't eat. I was, I was, I began to feel so incredibly nauseous on every step. I couldn't get any calories in. I was not on keto or anything like that. Actually, no, I actually was. Hmm. Yes, I actually was at the time, but I was like, okay, um, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm like so nauseous. Like I cannot, I cannot do nausea. I hate nausea. Ever since I was a kid, like when I get nauseous, I'm like, I can't, this is the worst. This is the worst. Like I can't, I cannot do this. And so somebody gave me papaya pills. 
because they help with the stomach. And I had zero energy, but I just kept walking, walking as fast as I could, just doing it. Then I started making jokes because we are leapfrogging each other. It's like a single track trail. I started making jokes with each other because I realized if I start cheering other people on, it's like I, I, want to, I want to feel so strong right now and I'm feeling so horrible. But if I just feel, start supporting other people and bringing the cheers to other people who are struggling just as much as I am, you know, everybody's going through a nightmare night. Like you go to the, the hell, like you go through hell. 100 Mile Around is about experiencing the highest highs and the lowest lows and holding space for all of it. You're holding, you're, sometimes you're like on the highest highs. You're like, how is this happening? There's times where the thoughts disappear. Everything disappears. Just you and nature. You're just zooming through the nature because there comes a point where your mind shuts off. It gives up on giving you all the pushback. It just completely shuts up and you're just one with the nature and you're moving you're moving like a tiger. You're moving like an animal through the nature and you're just zooming. And it's the most beautiful experience. And then you go through the darkest, darkest, darkest depths and the, 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 uh, like the, the dark night of the soul, you go through that. It's like on a map of vibrations, there is not a vibration you do not experience in a hundred mile run and you cannot attach to any of it because none of it lasts. None of it lasts. And this is the thing. It's the same thing in freaking business. It's the same thing in freaking business. You got to get this. Like you will experience the highest highs and the lowest lows and you cannot take, you cannot attach to any of it. It's not supposed to be all great. It's not to, supposed to be all low. If you do your mindset work and if you build your resilience, you're going to be able to Hold place for both. 100 mile run. It's a 100 mile run. Just like that. You move through the worst nightmare and you move through the highest highs. None of it sticks. And sometimes you hallucinate. Hopefully, not in your business. But this was, we make it through this craziest night. And finally, the sum comes out. Finally, my metabolism starts working somewhat again. I'm able to eat some fruit to get a little bit of energy back. Um, I am about mile 90. And I have lost a lot of time. A lot of time. There's 10 miles to the finish line. My ex-husband is with me. He's exhausted. I mean, I have to cheer him on. I'm not kidding. I'm like, it's like, let's go, let's go, let's go. Because uh, like he's starting to, he worked the entire previous day and then he didn't, he, he was not the one training. You know what I mean? Like just so much respect to him till this day, like no training, just like jump in and run 50 miles to support me. Like incredible. And he's naturally athletic, although he would never admit to it, he, but he's just incredibly talented. Just anyway. So, but he's like, this is horrible. Like, I don't want to do this. You know, we're like, I need you. Like, you can't give up. Like, I'm not giving up. I'm mile, I'm on mile 80, 80 or 90, wherever we are. Like, you can't give up at mile 30. That's not fair. Like, we're doing this together. So I'm just like, sometimes it really helps to have people. You have to, like, you have to do this for them and you have to do it together, you know, together, together. Like, it really is so much better. Like, when you train with, 
a buddy, when you train with somebody, when you do your business with somebody, when you even have clients and you do it together, it really, 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 really helps to have somebody. Okay, because now if you go, they go. Like nobody can fit, nobody can give up and say this is too damn hard. Okay. So <laughs> mile 92. We're about to hit the last eight station and I'm severely behind. And what's actually happening? What is actually happening is there's people coming up behind us. I'm like, wait, there's somebody behind us? Because I'm used to being the last one. It's the course sweepers. It's the people who go after the, the last person to pull the flags, because there's these flags that direct where you're gonna go, okay? There's the course sweepers. Shit. I'm not gonna make the last eight station. I have run 92 miles and I'm not going to clear the eight station in mile to three. I'm going to fail this close, this close to the finish line, this close. My spirits, I was done. My energy was so, it was so difficult to run. You have no idea. There was about 15 or 20 blisters on each foot. My feet were purple on the bottom, just being bruised. And there's this fine sand on the trails of Lake Tahoe that get through your shoes after all this running and they rub your skin. So my feet were on fire. With each step, there was like this excruciating pain and it was hot. It was so hot. It was incredibly hot and I hate hot. I don't do hot. Not good. This is July in the mountains and the mountain sun is just pouring down. And I'm just like, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do this. This is where I had, had the biggest gift. The lady who was pulling the flags, she saw what was happening it was behind me, you know, walking, pulling the flags, another guy. And she's like, Look, you're going to make it there. But if you want to make it there, you got to speed the hell up. You're going to stop focusing your pain. You're going to extend your stride and you're just going to move. It was a very masculine leadership and I needed that. When we're in our lowest low, sometimes we really need a masculine leadership. You know, and sometimes we just need to ask for it. And I'm like, can you please help me? I need you to like, whip my butt into that aid station. I could see we were on this hill and I could see the aid station over the mountain. And my, my former husband, the poor thing, he was like, in just as a bad shape as I was. And she tells him, you're going to pour water on her head every couple of minutes. You're going to do this, but you got to extend your stride. That's all you have to do. Make longer steps, go a little bit faster. Now a little bit faster, a little bit faster. You got this. You got this. And they started running again after miles and miles of like barely walking. I was running again and I knew I was behind and I didn't know if they were going to let me through. 
I knew I was like two, three minutes behind, right? And it's like, I don't know how, like the race director decides. Sometimes they stick to it. They say, this is the cutoff. And sometimes they decide if you're in good shape, we're going to let you through. And I got to the aid station. <laughs> Sorry, guys. One second. And I make it. And everybody is cheering me on. Everybody is just so happy to see me. Everybody is just cheering me on. And I was like, does that mean they're going to let me through? Does that mean that I'm okay? Does that mean that I made the cutoff? I just stood there and I looked at them. Are, are you guys going to let me through? And they're all like, yeah, but you got to get out of here quickly because you're not going to make the finish line on time. You're going to move. You have seven miles down. This is mile 93. Got seven miles. Almost all of it is downhill. If you need to roll downhill, you're going to do it, but you've got to move. You have to move. You have to go. So they helped me change my socks. They refill my pack with water. They like stuffed food like everywhere. It's like you got to you get to eat. Here's some papaya. Here's some watermelon. Here's some this and that. Just like stuff it down your throat. Get some energy and move. The last seven miles was the by far the hardest thing that I have ever done. The most difficult thing. I started hallucinating because when all else fails, sometimes your mind just decides, you know, just like, just starts playing tricks on you. So we started seeing the final, the finish line and the cars and the tents in the woods before they were actually there. I saw blue tents and then I come closer. Oh, it's, it's a big rock. I saw cars and then we come closer and then I saw people and there were trees. Holy shit. It's the most, it's the most like disempowering thing. It's the most, it's just painful when you think you're there and you get there and you're not. When you think you'll finally finish, you will finally, you're finally there, you have made it. You can see the finish line and you're not, you're still like three, four miles away, but this is like one mile an hour. And you're literally like, I was just like on a flat trail. This was not a hard trail at this point. I was like barely walking. I just, I don't even know, but I knew there are times where you just, put what it's not even one mile at a time you just put one foot in front of the other that is all you do one foot in front of the other because it's worth it because not because you have to 
Not because you must make a million dollar revenue, not because you must have a 50K month, and not because you must have 100 clients in your mastermind, not because you must, but because you said you would and you gave your word to it and it matters to you and you trained and you showed up. And when you showed up, you might as well just do it. It's just two more hours. It's just two more hours. And I could have given up. There was a point where I could have been just like, you know what, I'm done. I'm going to have somebody pick me up. There are people who were sick, waiting for pickup, who just gave up, couldn't make it anymore. Sunstroke, things like that. I could have just waited there with them, get picked up. It was so tempting. And I still had no idea if I would make it. So we kept walking. It was the most horrible, <laughs> painful thing. And I made it to the finish line with a 35 hour cutoff and a 35 hours and 12 minutes. You don't believe the story? You can look it up on the internet. Lake Tahoe, 100 mile run, 2012 results. I'm the last finisher listed. Either last or one of the last two. Martin Whitcomb was a gentleman that was 72 years old at the time who finished about the same time. And you're going to find that. And they listed me in official results. I'm an official 100 mile finisher. It wasn't perfect. It was, it took me longer than anyone else. It took more strength and more toughness than anyone else. But I did not stop smiling. Three weeks after that, I did not stop smiling. When I went home and I went to take a shower, I couldn't take a shower because there were so much blisters on my feet. I could not climb in a shower. I had to sit in the shower and my feet were sticking out because it'd be too painful. These like feet, they were completely like just destroyed to put them in water. The, the pain that came the night after, you cannot even imagine. It was the most painful thing. The most pain actually comes up for release. The physical pain that comes up for release comes after the run. After you've cleared all this pain, all this emotional pain during the run, there comes the next wave after the race. And still. I had to walk with a stick for like days after. I did not have any injuries. It was literally just severe soreness, no injuries. But I did not take off that smile off my face. And I knew in that moment that it's the head, what we think that we're capable of, what we think we can do, it's just, it's just up here. You get to decide anything does not mean ever that you have to run a hundred mile run. In fact, 
there's much better ways to prove your mental strength and your mental toughness. Contributing to people, teaching masterclasses, sharing your gifts, being unstoppable. It has a bad rep because there is feminine and there is toxic feminine. Okay, there's feminine energy, which is beautiful and flowing and creative. And I get all the downloads, but there's toxic feminine. And that is all I do. And I don't actually have the mental strength and the divine masculine container and, and the discipline and the courage to bring my beautiful gifts out into the world. You have to have both. You have to have both. If you want for your life to actually matter in the way you serve people. It is going to require mental toughness. You're going to deal with situations with your clients that you would rather not deal with. You're going to deal with situations in your, with your team members that you would rather deal with. You're gonna be accused of things, of being a person that you know you're not. That you know you're not. And you're going to have to deal with, and it's, you're going to question yourself and you're going to second yourself and you're going to go through so much self-doubt and you're going to wonder why am I failing so much? Why have I failed so many times, even though I did my absolute best? I did everything that I could and I still failed. And you know what? Now I look back at Leadville, the first attempt. And I'm so glad I failed because it made me so much stronger to say, I could have said, you know what, this is for me. It's like all these people, they're so fast and they're like, whatever. I could have made all that wrong. And for a minute I did, you know, like all this Leadville, whatever. It's this Leadville culture. It's like everybody, eh, whatever. It's like people just do it for the bucket list. They don't do it for the sport and like all that crap, right? I could have done that. And yeah, I did for a little bit, okay? <laughs> Never mind. I was the one who picked one of the fastest races where you actually actually requires for you to be naturally somewhat fast. I was the one who chose that. I wanted the challenge. My soul wanted the challenge. That was perfect. That was perfect. Now, having circumstances that support you is also necessary. Pick a race that you have a chance of winning. You know, you don't see like super short people doing like a high jump. You know what I mean? Because I don't know. Well, maybe they do. What do I know? I actually don't know anything about high jump. But it's like, know that there is some limitations, some physical limitation right now that you cannot cross. Like there's, there's definitely things that we cannot do. Okay. There's, there's things that just, it, and that's okay. And that's okay. We're not meant to do those things. We're not meant to do absolutely everything. We're meant to do certain things that we're called to do. Okay. But it's one mile at a time. It's building the identity. It's resilience. It's courage. It's discipline. It's, this is, these are the things that are so controversial. Like people don't want to hear about this, especially now people do not want to hear about this. And I'm all about flow, getting downloads meditation, yoga, the gentleness, loving ourselves, doing the things we love, having a schedule 
you know, right now I work on a schedule where I work three hours in a day. I get a lunch with a friend. I enjoy it. There's a local community. We just move, spend time on the beach, two hours of hiking in a day, one hour of yoga. I do all these gentle things. And my three to four hours of work a day are like this. I got here. I'm not going to think for 30 minutes about what I want to record. I'm just going to start recording because I do want to deliver something magical and something inspiring to you. And let's go. Let's go. And I had no idea at the beginning of this stream that I was going to share the story with you. I had other stories, or this fully, I had other stories that I wanted to share with you. I'm not going to get around to it, but this is, I think this is the important piece that I want to leave you with today. The invitation. The invitation is two things. Identity reset. January 9th, the week off. It's a free event and it's going to be a first module. That module standalone will make a huge difference in your life. We're going to be giving up some old identity, letting go of stuff that doesn't serve it. But most importantly, anchoring in and becoming actually who we need to become. And this is the process that I took myself through during this mold time when I was in a space that I could not even, I was lying in bed. Sometimes at so many days where I can get out of bed, I had insomnia. I was so low energy. I just wanted to pick up a fight with everybody because that was like, wow, like so much drama. And I felt like the biggest victim in my life. And I said, you know what? It's time for identity reset. And it starts working like this. And you do not have to be in a low space. You can be in a great space. Now it's a great thing to open up, open this up, open your identity up, open yourself bigger because you can embody whatever the heck you want. It's just getting and tuning in and allowing yourself because so many people like, I don't even know what I want because some of this, some of this healing and some of this disowning of the masculine that has gone on and not understanding the difference between the divine masculine and the masculine makes it so that people are afraid to want the things that are hard. People are afraid to go after the things that are like, us oh, too masculine. I don't want that. It's too masculine. It's bad. It's wrong. Uh, you know? And then they don't want to want that because they don't feel like they're, like it's, it's out of alignment. I should probably do only the feminine things and gets really confusing. Both feminine and masculine. Strength and resilience. Courage, discipline, beyond that, when we go beyond the strength and the resilience, the courage and the discipline, then there's miracles. When we can hold the frequencies, the highs and the lows, and we can move through things like this, then there's so much room to stretch that. When you can hold the lows, you can hold the highs, and you can start stretching the range, and then you can so much miraculous becomes possible because you're willing to move through the hard stuff. So identity reset. It's actually going to be a first module of a program. It's probably not going to be a very long program. 
This is why I want you to think about this ahead of time. This is going to be probably or six or seven week program. I'm going through this program as we speak. This is the work that nobody's ever seen for me. I have put 10,000 people through online retreats and about 130 people through 140 people through my higher level masterminds. And I've never done a short thing and I've never done this work because I didn't think people were ready for it and I wasn't ready for it because the, just it just can be a lot. And I'm stepping into a role of leading people through this and leading myself through this and us doing this together. Us deciding that we're actually going to fulfill our potential. We're going to embody who we need to embody. We're going to build on top of courage and then expand out and anchor in joy and happiness and all the beautiful, beautiful energies that we're going to anchor in. I'm on week two and a half of this. This is why it's launching on January 9th because I'm putting myself through this entire thing, quite frankly. I want to have the experience and we're going to be doing this together as a family, as friends, as equal power sisters and brothers if they wish to join us typically there is 95 percent women i'm opening this up as a possibility for the men that resonate with this to also join and be part of this know that it is a feminine energy there's a lot of feminine energy in there because you know, by the nature of that we're all women most of us are women Identity reset is going to be, I, if you anchor that in, you show up, it's going to be in the mornings that week. I do not know the format and the length exactly, but, but take out between 9 and 12. I want you to, to between 9 and 12, central, that's going to be the times that week. I don't know if it's going to be three days or four days or five days or seven days. I'm going to be tuning in as I go through it because my identity isn't done. My next level identity isn't done. So just keep that week open. I, I will give you the details. I respect and honor your time. I know that you need to know what time. I get that. Uh, but I ask you to trust me on this. It's going to be powerful. It's going to be experiential. This is the kind of thing you also want to show up in like, okay. Okay, I am I'm fully in. I I'm doing this. I am I'm here and I'm here to support myself but also support others and if that's part of your identity to be a part of a community and to be really supportive of others and yeah. Let's do this together. I've always led from a place of like I'm ahead of you and this isn't this is what we're doing this together. I'm literally like six weeks <laughs> ahead of you, right? So I'm going, I'm putting myself through it. It's not that I have not done this work before, but I'm doing this again, but we're going to be doing this together. So identity reset, the first module is free. It's going to be transformative. There's going to be founder member pricing. If you're interested in the following weeks, reach out to me you're going to get a discount compared to the price. I don't know what it's going to be, but you're going to get a discount as a, as a founding member if you join this, okay? Just reach out to me. 
uh, I'll let you know what that is. Send me a DM if you feel called, if you want to know ahead of time, you want to be one of the founding members it would be my honor. I would love to have you. It's not going to be like a huge price ticket, but it's not going to be like super low either. That's also part of the identity work, right? It's going to be like how we really hold our pricing, like with confidence, with self-love and love for others, because it's all us together, me and you together, right? We're equal footing, equal power. There's something that one of my mentors, Melanie Layer, says a lot, equal power, but different. It has made the most difference. Equal power, but different. We're equal power together, but we're different. We each bring something to the table, right? I ran a hundred mile run. I did not raise four kids. We each have different things, right? So that's kind of how we show up together. It's going to be beautiful. So please come hang out with me. Leave me a note if you watch this whole thing. I am so thankful that you did. I, I am so thankful if you made it through. I'm so thankful for your time, your attention. Thank you for doing the work. Thank you for anchoring this in. Take one thing out of this and start anchoring this for yourself. Whether it's resilience and, in, and getting to know yourself as somebody's resilience, somebody who's strong, somebody who can move through anything and start showing up in your life like that. Like I am somebody, I got this. I can handle anything. I have been through such hard times. I can handle anything. I can deal with the most difficult situations. Thank you so much for your time. The registration link is going to be below along with my contact information. And I love you. Thank you for watching. I will see you soon.